Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. The O-D-P-H Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him if you're a longtime listener. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Let me talk to you. Yeah, and boy, do we have lots to talk about on another Fusion edition of the O-D-P-H so you're going to get the best of sports, the best of entertainment, and all the topics in between. Because, quite frankly, every time January rolls around, it's kind of a little slow start, if you will. Slow start. Not a lot going on. Right. Everybody's kind of getting to the groove of the new year. And, uh-huh. we're, and we're here to just give you the best of both worlds. And that's why we put it all in one episode for you. So we want to keep that conversation rolling after the show. So, Pad, where do we head on over to? Uh, ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the website. Check out the T Public Store link. Check out the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. One tier, $2 a month. Boom. Can't make it simpler. The social media accounts are all right there, updated and ready to rock and roll. The blog section, which always has new reviews up left and right, so you always got to click on there and see. The directory. Pad, how many providers are we on? Uh, 190,000. Sounds about right to me. That is why he is the statistician to the stars. Also, the classified section where you can find friends of the show, such as 3FM Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative. Holy smokes, there's a lot happening there. There is a lot happening there that I am not legally allowed to comment on. Uh Uh-oh. So that's why you're going to have to just click on the links. Make sure you're following everybody there. And uh, stay tuned, because 2024... In a short amount of time, is already kicked into high gear, and there's a lot more coming there. Also, the music section where you can find friends of the show, such as Brian Wolf <coughs> and the Howlers, Second Suitors, Shout at the Robots, Floodlands, Tom Jolu, the list goes on and on. Amazing musicians. They're very gracious to give us their music to play. You know, without any uh, hiccups, so to speak, with the legalities, if you mm-hmm. will. So it's always great to support them because we definitely endorse everybody that's on that page. And if it's anything and everything, it is the ODPH. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember, if you're using the hashtags on the socials, use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition, we have come to the end of one road and start of another, if you mm-hmm. will. It is the final week of the NFL Week 18. Boy, does that sound weird saying. Uh-huh. But yet here we are, the last week of locks and leaps, technically. Technically. But there's more to talk about at the end of the segment about that. So, Pad, let's kick off the recap of the week that was. Yes, yeah, so we'll start with my lock. I chose the Pittsburgh Steelers to defeat the Baltimore Ravens because, hey, Baltimore's got everything locked up they possibly could so they'll be sitting all of their starters so i figured yeah there's a pretty good shot pittsburgh could pull this out and they did winning by the final score of 17 to 10 uh mason rudolph 18 of 20 for 152 yards passing one touchdown no interceptions tyler huntley got the start for baltimore he went 15 of 28 for 146 yards passing just one touchdown no interceptions Gus Edwards led the way for Baltimore in rushing with 10 carries, 48 yards, no touchdowns. Najee Harris led the way for Pittsburgh with 26 carries, 112 yards rushing, just one touchdown. Uh, Deontay Johnson led the way for Pittsburgh in receiving with four catches, 89 yards, one touchdown. And Nelson Aguilar uh, may led the way for Baltimore in receiving with five catches, 39 yards, and no touchdowns. Well, 
I would say I'm not really surprised at this game, but I kind of was. Okay. We had known that Lamar Jackson, arguably the MVP of the league, Uh was going to be sitting in this game. Yep. And Baltimore had nothing really to play for. I think about the only thing they had to play for was... Who the heck? It was one of their guys on defense. Oh, it was Jadavion Clowney. Mm-hmm. Jadavion Clowney needed one sack to hit like a, what was it, like a $250,000 bonus, $750,000 bonus? It was something in that range. Right. Uh, you know, and he got it, and he got his bonus. So that was about the only thing they had to play for. Right. So I, any other players, you know, snap percentages, you know, catches a year, like whatever you have in your contract. That, like, oh, I'm five away, four away, like, whatever it was. That was about all they had. That's all they had. <coughs> and realistically, they had nothing to play for. No. They got the number one seed. They got the division. They got a they got a home field advantage through the playoffs. They got the first round by. Like, literally nothing. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh had to come out and put on a show. Uh-huh. And they had to really make a statement if they want to be taken seriously as playoff contenders. And I think if I'm looking at the score and trying to be impartial, sure, I'm not impressed with what I saw with Pittsburgh. It's really not. I mean, Mason Rudolph is okay. He's not the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll he'll keep you in games if that's if he's on point. Najee Harris is hit or miss. You know, more often miss than hit. And then the receiving core is really nothing sexy. I mean, yeah, Deontay Johnson, fucking great game, 89 yards and a touchdown. But after that, it's off a proverbial cliff. Pat Freemuth, uh, two for 21, no touchdowns. Najee Harris had five for 21, no touchdowns. Jalen Warren, five for 17 and no touchdowns. Connor Hayward, two for four, no touchdowns. Allen Robinson, the second, none for none with one target. And uh, George Pickens had nothing. Yeah. He's not even on the stat line. Yep. So... That being said, Pittsburgh's lucky they got away with beating Baltimore's second string. By only a score. Yeah. It's nothing to be celebrating except the fact they snuck in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, you fell ass backwards. Yeah. Like, I would not be feeling confident if I'm Pittsburgh going in. Yeah, I mean, you've got a shot any any given Sunday, any given Saturday. But, I mean, looking at who they're playing uh, this upcoming week, they are playing... They're at Buffalo. Uh, yeah, they're playing Buffalo. So uh, good luck with that, folks. Well, that's going to be the true test for them if they're really contenders. Can they match up with a Bills team that's playing ugly football but winning? Yeah. I'm not going to lie about it, folks. Yeah, we'll talk about Bills fans here in a bit. We, we will talk about that in a bit. But I think the takeaway from this is Pittsburgh backed into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're lucky they got in. They, they, they needed a win and some help, and, well, they got help. Mm-hmm. And I think that it had – a couple passes gone a little differently sure. from Tyler Huntley. Sure. This game would have been Baltimore all day. Yeah. And that's the scary thing about this, that the Steelers did not come in and really impress me about this lineup going into the playoffs. I'm right. sorry. Right. If they weren't even facing Buffalo, if they were facing Miami, if they were facing Kansas City, I still would not be scared of this team. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be either. So... I think they have a very tough task ahead of them on Sunday against the Bills. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the Pittsburgh Steelers team of old, obviously, but I also mean that in the case of, like, yeah, they're bumped. Uh, yeah, they got some bumps. Yeah, they got some bruises, and, and they're a little nicked, you know, here and there. But there's still a chance they could, you know, that Pittsburgh Steelers playoff, you know, aura where they could come in and beat you. That They just don't have that. No, they don't scare anybody, so... This should be a pretty straightforward game with the Bills. You would think. You would think, but would think. It, but is any given Sunday like you touched upon? There's a lot of different ways this can go. Uh-huh. I think just Pittsburgh's lucky that fate was on their side with this one. Yeah, 
So we'll have to see what happens with them moving forward. Then we're going to get to my leap, and the leap I chose was the Houston Texans defeating the Indianapolis Colts, which they did by the final score of 23-19. to uh, C.J. Stroud, 20 of 26, 264 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Gardner Minshew, 13 of 24 for 141 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Jonathan Taylor, 30 for 188 yards rushing, uh, one touchdown. Uh, Devin Singletary, 24 carries, 63 yards just one touchdown. Nico Collins went nine for got nine catches, 195 yards receiving on uh, one touchdown. And for Indianapolis, it was Josh Downs going three catches, 48 yards, and no touchdowns. Well, Houston has been the surprise of the season. Uh huh. So seeing them pull this off, I'm happy not, for them. Yeah, I'm very happy for them. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not mad about this at all. I think this is something that this franchise desperately needed. C.J. Stroud is the rookie of the year. Absolutely, goddamn, Louis. No question about it. They have got their franchise quarterback for years, and I think that he is going to be somebody that's going to draw in free agents to play. And this is nothing but win for them, barring some sort of like batshit insane, terrible injury. He's the dude. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I think now the only question that I would have if I am Indianapolis is. The last drive, I mean, you're literally a play away from making a run at this. For like the second year in a row. Yeah, and Gardner Minshew we know is not the guy. Uh-huh. Obviously, they've had uh, some injury problems this year. Yeah. But it's still that situation, when Jonathan Taylor's running crazy, I think you got to put the ball in your playmaker's hands. Yeah, no, I mean, you do. And it, it's terrible that Indy, you know, found themselves again in this same scenario, which – Unless you saw the game, the one stat line that would you would miss is in the receiving department. Michael Pittman Jr., five catches, 44 yards, no touchdowns, six targets. Mm-hmm. And that one drop pass was the crucial one that they absolutely needed. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So th- and that, that's what I said. In that situation, you got to put it in Taylor's hands. Yeah. It's a tough call. I mean, we can sit there outside looking in, but in this right. situation, the fact the game was this close. Yeah. And you're facing a Houston team that literally played with nothing to lose. Like, yeah. they're not supposed to be here. No, a lot of people figured them to be pretty bad this year. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they have lucked into this position yeah. is really telling about how the culture is changing there. Right. And like I say, I'm not really throwing this all on Tyler Goodson, who dropped the pass. Right. Granted, it's a very tough call, but in this situation, if it's fourth and one, why are you not giving the ball to Taylor? Uh, listen, I've let, man, I, I've never understood Indianapolis play calling since the Peyton Manning days. Mm-hmm. In the Peyton Manning days, where it was you know him and Tom Brady twice a year made all the sense in the goddamn world, and he was like a brain surgeon, being so precise and you know with the cuts and the this and the that. Now it's like throw it up against the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah, I mean, I know that he did get hurt and was out for a little bit of the sure, second half. Sure, but still, if he's on that, if he is able to come back out for that final series. He can you got you have to give him the ball for one oh, yard. Oh, absolutely. There's no like I say. It's the it's the equivalent of not giving it to uh, Marshawn Lynch on the one yard line in the Super Bowl. Yeah, not point blank. So Houston proved that they're ready for this. Indianapolis is going to be some plays away for yeah. a while. Like I think because yeah. they have to get some playmakers there. Yeah, no, they do. And I just don't see it happening. So. Uh, we also got to give some flowers to C.J. Stroud, who finished the season with 4,108 yards passing, putting him third all-time in the NFL for uh, most passing yards in a rookie season. Uh, the only two folks he's behind, Justin Herbert in 2020, who had 4.3,000, and uh, Andrew Luck in 2012, who uh, had 4.4,000. 
Hmm. So uh, pretty goddamn good company because he's ahead of Cam Newton 2011, James Winston 2015, Mac Jones in 2021, and Carson Wentz in 2016, yeah. among a whole host of others. Yeah, Houston did very, very well for themselves. Yeah. So, you know, I have to give them all the credit in the world. Like we say, it, when we talked about the preseason show, did not have them doing this well. And obviously yeah. making the playoffs, that is a huge morale booster for uh-huh. a team that absolutely needed it. Uh-huh. Tough task ahead of them with Cleveland this week, though. Yeah. But let's go to, I'm going to say this right now. Wow. The most disappointing performance of the weekend. Uh-huh. And that is saying something. Uh-huh. Because this team we all talked about was going to be making a run for the Super Bowl. And quite frankly, <laughs> they have cooled off at the wrong time. They're falling apart. And this abysmal performance spoke Volumes. I know it's division games, but it does not matter. Oh, it shouldn't, and it shouldn't be this bad. Right. Let's talk about it because, oh, Philly. So, so of course, uh, Ken chose the Philadelphia Eagles to beat to the New York Football Giants, which they did not, losing by the final score of twenty-seven to ten. Tyrod Taylor, twenty-three of thirty-two for two hundred and ninety-seven yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Marcus Mariota got the start, uh, for most of the snaps. He went thirteen of twenty for one. Uh, 148 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Jalen Hurts did see some game times, going 7-16 for 55 yards. No touchdowns, one interception. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, Tommy Cutlet's got some time there, 2-2, two 14 yards. Hmm. Uh, for rushing, it was Kenneth Gainwell. He went for uh, Philly uh, with seven carries, 62 yards, no touchdowns. For the Giants, it was Saquon Barkley going 18 carries, 46 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, for the Giants receiving, it was Wandale Robinson going five catches, 85 yards, no touchdowns, and then it was Quez Watkins going leading the way for Philly, going eight catches, 93 yards, and one touchdown. Notably, uh, A.J. Brown, one catch, nine yards on one target. Uh, Dallas Goder, one catch, four yards on three targets. Julio Jones got uh, two catches, 13 yards on four targets. And, yeah, that's about all I'm missing there. Well, I know Jalen Hurts got hurt. Okay. So we got. We, I was watching the Dallas game because I had more of a rooting interest in that game specifically for Washington. So I did not know that. No, his finger got messed. Oh, up. you know what? I did see that. So I mean, that's one element here. But yeah. I mean, let's face it: the Giants are not a great team. Nope. Sorry, it's truth, folks. I'm not. I'm not going to deny the honest take here. Like I say, they played awful football this year. Uh huh. So the fact that Philly, who should have came out of this game knowing the division, the their division was on the line. Yeah, had to had to win. It was not locked up. Your seating was not locked up. Hell, you could have slipped to the number three seed with this because I remember watching the the Washington game that they brought the broadcast there because I think Washington was on uh, the the Dallas game was on Fox. Mm-hmm. They even brought up like, hey, even if both teams lose, like the number two seed isn't a guarantee they could slip to three. Yeah, this was just an awful performance. Oh, from top to bottom. On every level. Five sacks uh, from the Giants' defense on Philly. For for a game you need for seeding. So, I mean, you had something to play for. The Giants didn't. Yeah. The only thing Giants players are doing for is bonuses and morale. And try, yeah, morale in some cases. And try yeah, to showcase. You finish the season with a win? Yeah, and try showcasing where they can go next season if they don't want to be in New York. 
which is probably a few. Well, I could imagine. I mean, Saquon Barkley is going to be one that we're going to have to watch because yeah. I think he's expecting to get franchised again, and that's going to end messy if that's the case. <laughs> they should have just paid him instead of doing Daniel Jones. And that I, tackle. Yeah, I digress. But for Philly, who finished down the stretch, one in five. Yep, started off uh, ten and one and finished one and five. I will say this right now: Philly does not scare me going into this playoffs. Nope, and I have not seen a team that has been this dominant the last couple of years fall off a cliff like this. Because the, I mean, because you look at some of their early se- their early seasons. Okay, they beat New England, they beat Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Washington, the Rams. Which that's like, hey, that you know, that's not bad. You start off five and zero. Then you come, you go into the Jets, you lose there. Oh, yikes! You know, not because that was Week Six, so Aaron Rodgers was gone by that point. This wasn't against, so that wasn't against Rodgers. But then you get into the second half of the season after they had the bye week in Week Ten. You know, which hey, they they rattled off wins against the, the Dolphins, uh, Commanders, and Cowboys. So you had back to back division wins there. Then you beat Buffalo and Kansas City, but then you get shellacked by San Francisco like it's Mike Tyson in his prime. Mm-hmm. You lose to Dallas. You lose to Seattle. Yikes! You you barely you barely squeak out the win against the Giants. Sorry, I realize it was thirty three to twenty five, but that should have been more. Oh yeah. And then you lose to the Cardinals and the Giants. No, there's just there's such a big disconnect. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. And if I'm an Eagles fan, I am very very scared for the playoffs. I'm, I'm nervous. I would not be feeling confident at all. Uh, they are playing Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you what, Tampa Bay is going to give them a run. Uh huh. I'm not going to fully Hell, say Arizona that, gave them a run, and Arizona beat them. Well, that's the whole thing right now. Is Philly has no excuses to make, and if Jalen Hurts is not 100, percent it's mm-hmm. going to be a very easy game. Oh yeah, it is. Marcus Marcus Mariota don't scare nobody. No, and I think even him against Baker Mayfield, which would have been a great college matchup years ago. Yeah, yeah, that would have is not exactly screaming box office little, now. Little, little Oregon Oklahoma action there. Yeah, but but in this case, Philly has fallen apart at the worst time, and that's the scary which thing. Which is something you don't want. No, you don't. And for a team that was built to win now. They have such a tough time putting it together, especially when you're losing. Like now, you have to make a run. Mm-hmm. Is it unheard of? No, no. But you need a lot of luck in your favor, and that's the situation that now that you drop to the fifth seed. Yep. You don't have the luxury of playing at home, no matter where you go, unless some freakish nonsense happens. But let's face it, at this stage, you're going to be one and done unless mm-hmm. you can pull it together. Because Tampa Bay is one of the most slept on teams in the league. But but they're finding a way to win with Baker. Yeah. So, really, this is going to be a test for them in the playoffs. But I'm already giving you a sense. Like, if I had to put a percentage on it right now, right. i give them a 40% chance of winning. The only way they make it out of this alive is if they get lucky. Because if the if, if it stays stat quo, so they're, Philly's the what – what do we say Philly is? Fifth. Philly's the five. So, you've got – the seven playing the two with uh, – you've got the Rams playing the Lions, which I think is 6-3. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, correct. That's 6-3. And then you've got the Packers playing the Cowboys, which is 7-2. So unless L.A. or Green Bay wins, you, the Eagles, if they assuming they win, sure. would go in to face San Francisco. But if L.A. or Green Bay wins, then it's whoever wins that one goes and faces San Fran. Yeah, but right now, I I listen. Green Bay, love you to death. You know you've got amazing cheese. 
you know, but I don't see them beating Dallas. It's in Dallas. We know how Dallas is at home this year. And then you've got the Rams going to Detroit, which I realize that's a great story. Stafford coming home after, you know, everything he's done, you blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But let's not forget, it's the first home game for Detroit in like 30 some odd years. Yeah. That place is going to be loud. There's no way the Rams are beating Detroit. So Philly right now is staring, you know, down the lane. You know, they're trying to peek ahead, see if they can pass a couple cars, and San Francisco's waiting ahead for them. And uh, let's not forget what happened the last time. Yeah. So Philadelphia, I wish you luck. Yeah. It's not looking good for you. It's not. In these upcoming playoffs. Then we get to the game that bittersweet, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this year, the worst division in all of football was the NFC South. Yeah, it was. And there really wasn't a lot to talk about there. By a lot. But right behind it was the AFC South, Uh in my opinion. Yeah, no, both divisions very bad. And one team that everybody has been talking about that maybe, just maybe, this is their year uh-huh. decided to also cool off at the worst possible time. Just want to point out, you, myself, and Rich from the 3FN podcast all picked that team to win this division. Mm-hmm. And that shows how badly they've been playing. Yep. Considering everything else going on in this division, the Jacksonville Jaguars lost at the worst possible time. When and they were in. Mm-hmm. Against a team that, quite frankly, was already done. Yep. And this was just an epitome of Jacksonville every year. Yeah. I mean, let's get into the game. Yeah, so uh, the Tennessee Titans defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars 28-20. to uh, Ryan Tannehill, 17-26 for 168 yards passing. Two touchdowns, just one interception. Trevor Lawrence went 29 excuse me, of 43 for 280 yards passing. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. Travis Etain Jr. went 16 carries, 57 yards with no touchdowns. Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry led the way for Tennessee in rushing with 19 carries, 153 yards rushing uh just one touchdown deandre hopkins led the way for tennessee in receiving with seven catches 46 yards one touchdown and it was calvin ridley leaving leading the way for jacksonville going six catches 106 yards receiving and just one touchdown so let us break this down jacksonville needed to win to get into the playoffs jacksonville needed to win for like a month and couldn't do it yeah well they did until the end of the month no, but they but they fell apart at the worst possible no, time. No, no, they did because they went into the, their Week 13 game against the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm looking at their schedule. No, I don't have all of this memorized. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went into their Week set, Week 13 home game, mind you, against the Cincinnati Bengals, which was a Monday night game, and it was the first Monday night game for Jacksonville in like a decade. Mm-hmm. And they lost 34-31 in overtime. And that's where the slide started because they were eight and three going into that game, so they lost eight and four, lost to Cleveland eight and five, lost to Baltimore eight and six, lost to Tampa Bay eight and seven. They beat Carolina, you know, so they they literally want their. But is that even a win? Nah, not really. <laughs> not really. You know, so they 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 beat Houston on Sunday, November twenty sixth. They didn't get another win until Sunday, December thirty first. Yeah, and then obviously they laid the goose egg against Tennessee, and that's where this team really defines itself. Yeah. Every year it has so much potential. Trevor Lawrence was such a great college player, but yet struggles in the pros. Oh, yeah. And you can say whatever you want about the head coaching and all that. Doug Peterson is there. Doug Peterson is pretty good. Yeah. 
So this is the year they're supposed to make the turn finally. Yeah. They're supposed to be a serious contender. Travis Attain played most of the season. Had a phenomenal year. Calvin Ridley had a resurgence. Evan Ingram showed up. <laughs> Much to the Giants' chagrin. Right. And yet this is what we get in the most crucial game they could have played for the season thus at this point. So pulling up some old stats here uh, for the season, just to kind of give some context, you had Trevor Lawrence finish the regular season with 4,016 yards passing, 21 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Uh, for rushing, Travis Etienne Jr. cracked 1,000 yards, although admittedly by 8, uh, 1,008 yards, 11 touchdowns. Uh, Calvin Ridley finished with 76 catches, 1,016 uh, yards receiving with only 8 touchdowns. Evan Ingram, 114 catches, 963 yards receiving with only four touchdowns. And then you had Zay Jones, who's supposed to be their other guy who's supposed to be good. Uh, 34 catches, 321 yards receiving, and only two touchdowns. So clearly they've got no issue getting the ball out. Mm-hmm. You, you had you, one guy crack 1,000 yards rushing. You had, you had one crack 1,000 yards receiving. One was within a sneeze of cracking 1,000 yards receiving. But – they clearly can't find the back of the end zone, and also, clearly, their defense can't stop a leaky faucet. Exactly. Derrick Henry had 153 yards, one touchdown, and arguably his final game with Tennessee. Probably. So, that said, I mean, Jacksonville got exposed as pretenders. Yep. I'm, I'm sorry. Like the, At this stage, they had the chance to take a weak division. Yeah. And they didn't. Houston wound up taking it. Oh, yeah. And this is the game that, on paper, Jacksonville should have won outright. I mean, this, this this should not have been as close as it was. Like we said, this division is bad. I mean, the win percentage for this division, Houston Texans, 588. Jacksonville Jaguars, 529. Indianapolis Colts, 529. Tennessee Titans, 353. Yeah. So the fact that Jacksonville dropped the ball here speaks volumes. They're going to need to go out in the free agent market and go get some players. Good fucking luck. But that's the whole thing. I don't know who you're going to entice to come there. You you can entice me all you want on like the no state income tax on, on the state of Florida has, but it like you could sell me if if you're Miami. Mm-hmm. Like if you're Miami, I'm gonna be like yeah, shit, I'll go to Miami. And I'm sunny beach, sunny beaches, and all and all the nightlife scene down there with with no state income tax and the, and the optimism the Dolphins got. Sure. You fucking try to sell me that shit and then go, oh, by the way, it's Jacksonville. I'm like, yeah, sorry, I'll stay where I'm at. Yeah, unfortunately for them, they're going to need to make some moves this offseason. I just don't see them doing. They're going to they're gonna have to do something because it's just not working. Right, and as for Tennessee, we do know as we were hitting to record, yep. Mike Vrabel has been relieved of his head coaching duties. Correct. I think he's going to wind up somewhere very quickly. Probably by Super Bowl, I would say. Oh, well, I think after. If, if not soon. There, I don't see them making any announcements during Super Bowl week, usually that the week in between, yeah, that's where you hear about players retiring because they don't want to, up, you know, upstage the big right, game. Right, right, I think you'll hear something shortly thereafter. Right, and I think he's going to wind up in one of those big jobs, possibly with the Chargers. Yeah, uh, I know everybody wants to say New England. Listen until Belichick has announced he's moving. I'm not buying anything there. And, then, and listen, if anything happens with New England, and I'm not saying it is, it's not going to be Belichick. Bill Belichick has been fired. It's going to be they've agreed to part ways. Mm-hmm. I think a perfect place for Rabel, though, honestly, would be Atlanta. 
Atlanta wouldn't be bad. He need you need somebody there that can fix culture down there. He yeah, is somebody that can fix wa- culture. Washington, maybe Washington's got a vacancy there. Washington is is, is the wild card about head coaching because literally anybody could go there. Yeah, but I think honestly, if you make the move to go get Eric Benemy and you don't give him the head coaching job, yeah, there's a problem. Yeah, there's a big problem there. Yeah, yeah. So so we'll have to see how that goes. That's why I say Washington. I, I just can't see them taking anybody other than Betemi after we know Ron Rivera is not coming back now. Right. So we'll have to see about Jacksonville. I mean, I think Peterson is still safe there. Uh, on a very short leash. But, I mean, with Jacksonville, it's like he turned this team around into a question mark. Yeah. Instead of two question marks. Yeah. So we'll have to see what they do in the offseason now. Because that's where they're going to be going with a lot of the teams that we're going to be talking about as we recap the final week that was. So, Pad, let's get into it. Uh, yeah, so the Cincinnati Bengals defeated the Cleveland Browns 31-14. to Browns had nothing to play for. Sat their starters. Yep, so smart move by Cleveland. Not mad about this. They got Houston first week. That is going to be a sleeper game of the weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, then you had the Detroit Lions defeat the Minnesota Vikings 30-20. to well, Detroit, unfortunately, Sam Laporta got hurt in this game. Yeah, that's not ideal. We do hear he's day to day, so there's I could I fully sense he's gonna show up for that game on <laughs> there's no chance he's not gonna play unless he physically cannot do it. Right. But you know, Minnesota, uh, yet again, another team that coulda, woulda, shoulda. And we'll just have to wait to see. They have a very tough offseason ahead of them. Yes, they do. Uh then you had the uh New Orleans Saints defeat the Atlanta Falcons forty eight to seventeen. So the only highlight, if you can call it this, <laughs> is what happened at the end of the game. Because usually I, I would say, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta is not going anywhere anytime soon. And Seven obviously and they made a head coaching decision as well. Yep. That's why I said Mike Vrabel would probably be the most perfect fit down there because you need to, somebody to come in there and really change culture. But the Saints made headlines for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And going for a touchdown as late as they did. Yeah. And with Jameis Winston. Of all people. Defying the head coach. And I agree with Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. Smith. You have to cut him immediately. Well, you might not have to worry about much. He's on a one-year deal. Right, but still. And the fact that they went completely against their head coach. uh, The head coach has got to go, too. Oh, yeah. I hate saying that. I'm not trying to wish anybody to lose their job right. by any stretch of the imagination. But when that nonsense happened, and if you are telling me that you allowed the players to completely override what you were saying. Uh-huh. That's, that's some Aaron Rodgers type shit. Yeah, that speaks some crazy volumes. And Dennis Allen, unfortunately, in that situation, has got to go. Like, I'm sorry, there there really is not anything there that you can say he still has his team under control because he doesn't. No. And I understand that they don't want to make a big issue about it right now. You have to. You have to. You have to address this completely and take care of it right away. Because it's, a, it's embarrassing for your organization. It, yeah, top to bottom. Like, the fact that your players just overrode you when you called victory formation. Because you, you think about it, this team went from laughing stock for years to like the darlings of the NFL and, and the country after everything that happened with Hurricane Katrina mm-hmm. and Sean Payton and Drew Brees and everything that they did and winning the Super Bowl and just kind of the culture they built up of like, hey, they're not always going to win, but they're still a damn good organization to play for. 
and you've I'm not saying you've thrown it in the trash completely, but boy, you've got some dirt on it. No, you just yeah, you completely lost the team. And now the fact that it's regressed as it has, you have to come in and make swift changes. Oh, absolutely. So if they don't do it this offseason, um, listen, they could possibly be the next Carolina next year. Uh-huh. Just to put it out there, even with the talent they have on their team. The fact that this went down like this, oh, bad uh-huh. look, bad look overall. Yes. Uh, then you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeat the Carolina Panthers nine to nothing. In the like most exciting game of the weekend. That was like a fucking baseball score. Yeah, nothing really to say about this one other than Baker did Baker things, and this was shout out the Tampa Bay kicker though. Yeah, I mean, Chase McLaughlin three for three from field goals. Yeah, but other than this, I mean, Tampa really didn't have to do too much other than just win. Yeah. So I, I just think they coasted because they knew Carolina has nothing behind them. So yeah. They're I mean. Yeah. And Carolina is another team this offseason that needs a lot of work. Yeah, they do. Uh, you had the Green Bay Packers defeat the Chicago Bears 17-9. to All they needed was love. Yes, they did. Jordan Love, I, listen, if he can make a run in these playoffs, I think Packers fans are going to be really excited. I don't know if he is going to be it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's debatable. Have but, you seen that? Have you seen that matchup on Sunday? Yeah, that's why I say uh, I'm trying to be optimistic because I, I I do have a special place for Green Bay. I just don't see it happening. The Bears obviously uh, a lot of work this off season. What are they going to do with their draft picks? I don't know. They got the first and I think like the fifth. Yeah, I mean if if I'm them, they have to really make smart decisions. Yeah, they've got the first overall pick by way of Carolina, and then they've got the number nine. Mm-hmm. And if they can flip, I, you know, honestly, with them, if if you know a, a team wants to make a move, I'd be willing to de- to yeah. deal with that nine. Yeah, because you're going to need to retool this entire team. Oh, and if you, if you wind up trading Justin Fields, which is getting rumored, and you want to make a run for the kid from Carolina, which uh listen, yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, we saw what happened the last time the Bears took a quarterback from North Carolina. Yeah. They got a Maserati, but he did not turn into a Maserati right then and there. Uh, yeah, that's true. So I would say buyer beware. Fields, I think, just needs people around him. Yeah. I don't think he's that bad as he's getting portrayed, but, you know, we'll kind of have to wait and see. But they're going to be watching the Packers and seeing what they do because with them against Dallas, I believe. Yes, it is. Uh, that's going to be a tough challenge. That's going to be real tough. Yep. have to wait and see about that. Uh, then you had the Las Vegas Raiders defeat the Denver Broncos 27-14. to Let's ride into the offseason. Yeah, and, and now reportedly uh, Denver might keep uh, Russell Wilson around. <sighs> okay, I'm just going to say it right now. If Russell Wilson comes back, that is going to be such a bad scene. That's an abusive relationship. Yeah, like literally, there's no point. Like, obviously, they don't want each other around. They need to separate. Uh huh. And if I'm Denver, I trade him somewhere. I send him to Atlanta. I send him to a team that needs a quarterback. You mean maybe if you even want to get gutsy and depending on what Cleveland does, you could try making some moves there and, and sending him there. Yeah, good luck. I, I, well, I got a feeling Deshaun Watson might not be back next season. I'm just going mm, to we'll say we'll just say reasons for that. Could be. But the Raiders, I think, are going to be the team to watch this offseason, and I will say this, uh, they need to hire Antonio Pierce. The fact they haven't done it already is a travesty. Yeah, it is, because he will. I will say this. If they don't hire him, if you have a head coaching vacancy, he's, he's going to be. He should be at the top of the list. Yeah. He should be. Yeah. And if if he's not, like I say, in Atlanta, he could do wonders there. Oh, yeah, he could. Washington, he would do wonders there as well. 
and you have to think about some of the other teams. New Orleans, I mean, obviously, I'm going to put the karma out there. They need to make a change. He would do wonders there because you yeah. try telling me any one of those players would try that nonsense on him. Oh, shit, no. No, he'd run right on the field, take the fine, and be good. So, like I say, the Raiders need to lock him up, and that's going to be the only thing I care about them for this offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you had the Seattle Seahawks defeat the Arizona Cardinals 21-20. Uh, to 20. Well, Cinderella ran out. Fucking cost me from going a perfect week, uh, four picks on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Motherfuckers. Yeah, now Seattle, listen, they they cave it. They're all just, unfortunately, injuries took uh, their toll on them. Yeah. And nothing to sneeze at, though. They, they fought valiantly. It just it did not work out their way in a couple games they should have won. Yeah. But a lot of stuff to be excited about next season for uh, yeah. Seattle fans in Arizona. Well, I mean, they... Arizona fans, hey, you've got the number four overall pick. Yeah, so uh, don't screw it up. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, defeated the L.A. Chargers by the final score of 13-12. to 12. Ugly game. Considering uh, you look at the box score on this game, uh, and you had no Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Blaine Gabbert got the start. Uh, the leading rusher for Kansas City was LaMichael Perrine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the uh, leading receiver was McCole Hardman Jr. Uh, no Travis Kelsey, no Marquez Valdez-Scanling, or if he did play, he didn't catch anything, which would be par for the course these days. So, you, But you did have, you know, and obviously Easton Stick got the start for the uh, Chargers. But, yeah, the uh, L.A. Chargers couldn't beat the Kansas City backups. Yeah, no, the Chargers are a hot mess express. Yep. Easiest way to say it, Kansas City had nothing to play for, and they still beat you with their third string. Just saying, folks, if you want the temp in the room, that's the temp in the room. Uh Uh, Then you had the L.A. Rams defeat the San Francisco 49ers 21-20. Asterix by this one because the 49ers did the smartest thing ever. Sad everybody. Sad everybody. And the Rams needed this game, too. Yeah, they did. So, you know, kudos to the Rams. They showed up for this. I uh, know Puka Nakua uh-huh. got the rookie record for, uh, what, receiving yards? I receiving believe? yards, yeah. yeah I, no. I think it was the rookie record and the team record. There was something like that. It was something. Considering him and Cooper Cup on the same team, that's <sighs> mind-blowing. Both healthy. Yeah. So, obviously, them making the playoffs, that's a big yeah. move. Uh, then the last one we got to talk about before we get to our two teams is the Dallas Cowboys defeated the Washington Commanders 38-10. to Bum, 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 bum. See, uh, kudos to Dallas. Yeah. I don't say it, this yeah. often. I know Dre Driven will shoot a line in about this one. Dallas understood the assignment. Yeah, they did. They did not mess around. Christ. They wanted to make a statement win to the rest of the NFC. This they was did. Clo- this was close for all of about a quarter. Mm-hmm. They did what they needed to do. They wanted the NFC East title. They got it. And now they have a home game against Green Bay. That is all they could ask for. They were smart about things. Yep. Philly was not. Oh. So Dallas, congratulations. You played very, very well. You understood the temp in the room. And you rose to the challenge. Yep. Kudos. Excuse me. Uh, then we got to get to our two teams. Not much to say about uh, Patriots. They lost to the Jets by the final score of 17-3. to Low-scoring game. A, both teams suck offensively, but then also there was a fucking blizzard going through New England. But the only thing of note was shout-out to the Jets kicker who almost nailed a 49-yard field goal in the fucking snow. Go check out the highlight. It's absolutely insane. Uh, but, yeah, Jets won. Patriots lost. Patriots have locked up the number uh, three overall pick. You know That's why I was watching the Washington-Dallas game, because if Washington won and we lost, we would have gotten the number two overall pick. But, eh, it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, if this was Belichick's last game. Doubt it. Yeah, like I say, I, I'm waiting to see the scenario that gets him out of New England. I just don't see any team really enticing except maybe the Chargers. But then again, do you want to try taking on that? 
uh, project this at this state. I don't. Right. I don't know. I no. just. I can't see it. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, the season's done for them, and yep. uh, now I'll just have to wait to see if Aaron Rodgers actually does wants to come back. I don't know. We'll say. Uh, and then obviously the Buffalo Bills defeated the Miami Dolphins twenty-one to fourteen, locking up the AFC East. Well, this game was ugly as hell. Yep. I am not sitting here go- touting too much praise, other than Miami should have won this game. They did not. Mm-hmm. Injuries, I know, started creeping in a little bit, mm-hmm. but they were also hitting the Bills as well. When Rasul Douglas went down, I thought this game was instantly going to Miami. Mm-hmm. Yet the gritty performance from Christian Bedford really carried this team, and how Deontay Hardy got that kickback, and really that that was the turning point in the game. Yeah, I Miami should have been on cruise control, shutting this down. I I don't know if I necessarily want to say that this is. Mike McDaniel not, you know, knowing how to close games, mm. but this kind of felt like it. Could I, be. I'm Could just, be. I'm just saying, like, when you have Tua playing at such a high level, even though he was throwing interceptions, uh, two of them, yeah, which he did not look great in this game. Seventeen to twenty-seven, one hundred and seventy-three yards. You know, this is a situation that's like, why aren't you just giving the ball to Kane and just letting him run? A uh, Kane ten for fifty-six and one touchdown. Mm-hmm. Because you let the Bills do what the Bills do best. Hang around. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen. Oh, Jesus. You mean Brett Favre? Yeah. I mean, seriously, get out the Wrangler jeans. What the fuck was that one interception? What the fuck was he thinking? The, no, I, I know what he was thinking. Scramble, 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 scramble. Fuck it. Dawson Knox is down down there somewhere because we know he ain't thinking about Diggs these days. Uh, well, Diggs is too, he, you know, the d- thing is Diggs is getting double covered and he wants no part of that. So he's, he's trying to get somebody else to step up. The, the, the problem is with the Bills, and I'll be the first one to tell you this, is Diggs you can rely on to get 50 yards a game. Easy. Sometimes. Easy. No, no, easy. He's an easy 50. But if you're expecting somebody to match him, it varies. Because mm-hmm. certain games, Dawson Knox looks great, and then certain other ones, he's, he's <laughs> like all. That, like this one? Three, yeah. three targets, two catches, 22 yards? Yeah, he's atrocious. Dalton Kincaid is shown flashes of brilliance. Right. But no, the key word, flashes. Yeah. And I know that Gabe Davis got hurt. Right. But everybody keeps anointing him as like he's the next coming. Because he had one good playoff game. Yeah, he had one great playoff game, and that's been it. He's a solid number two at best. Yeah. But, I mean, him going down, somebody needed to step up. Shakir was that guy. Six for 105. Yeah, and that's what the Bills need is somebody to step up when they are struggling. Mm -hmm. And especially when Josh is struggling himself because what he tried doing is what he goes to best he heaves it up and hopes somebody's there mm-hmm. and the problem is he thinks he has the arm strength that he can just burn every single defender dude thinks he's the nfl version of steph curry yeah legitimately which i mean you got to have that bravado to a degree right but you got to dial it back sometimes but you have to be smart about it like if you are in the playoffs you cannot sit there and take a shot just heaving it into the end zone. Oh, Christ. Can you imagine if they were playing like a San Francisco? Oh, they get or, smoked. Or they, they'd get eaten alive. They get smoked right now. But the thing that he got smart about in the second half, and I'll give Josh all the credit in the world about this, he wasn't throwing that much. Right. He started running, which is what he should do. I know he got a strip st- uh, sack fumble. Listen, that is what it is. It happens. It happens. Yeah. But it didn't come back to haunt them. Mm-hmm. 
But the fact that they put up 14 in the fourth quarter when Miami should have closed this game out, yeah, the Dolphins proved they can't close. Yep, that was the one takeaway I had. Tua was trying. Tua turned into Josh in the final eight minutes of that game. Right, he was just heaving it. Because he realized at that point, fuck, we're going to lose. Yeah, and you know what he said? Tyreek, go downfield. I'll just get it to you. He called streaks in Madden. Yeah. And you know what? The Bills knew he was going to do it. Because, unfortunately, with Waddle out, they don't have another receiver to step up. Mm-hmm. There is a distinct drop-off if you look at that stat line. Uh, yeah, so Tyreek Hill, 7-82 for one touchdown. Then it was Durham Smythe, uh, 3 for 30, no touchdowns. Cedric Wilson, uh, Jr., 1 for 24, no touchdowns. River uh, Crackcraft, uh, 1 for 18, no touchdowns. Braxton Berrios, 2 for 9, no touchdowns. Uh, Devon, Devon Kane, 1 for 5, no touchdowns. Chase Claypool, 1 for 3, no touchdowns. And Julian Hill, 1 for 2, no touchdowns. Yeah. So they don't have anybody other than that. Nope. And that's the problem. So now you have to sit there and look at this team and going into Kansas City for Miami because they they did clinch. It's going to be cold. I don't like their chances at all because if you have to get into a shootout with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, at home. Yeah, which if you take Travis Kelsey out of the equation, you have a chance. Yeah. You legitimately have a chance. Blueprints there. But then again, on the flip side, if Kansas City, and if I'm Steve Spagnola, oh, I think I'm centering everything on Tyreek Hill, and I'm daring you to beat me with Chase Claypool. This is a far cry away from Pittsburgh and Notre Dame. Yeah, well, it's a far cry from Notre Dame. He wasn't that great in Pittsburgh. Either. Right, unless you talk to uh, certain fans. Well, yeah, yeah. But that being said, everybody else on this team doesn't worry about you. So, no. so if I am Miami, I am very, very frightened because I don't like your chances. And I'm not saying this with my born hatred for the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this logistically, unless you can get Waddle and Mostert back, you don't have a chance. Right. Because Patrick Mahomes and that team is playoff tested and playoff ready. Mm-hmm. So they'll be ready to make a statement on Sunday, I believe they play. Uh, let or me, is this, no, it's Saturday. Saturday, it's on uh, Peacock. Yes, because everybody has to go get the streaming service. What a it. fucking flex from Roger Goodell, making the Swifties get Peacock. Smart man, man. Uh-huh, yeah, it's Love the, him it's or hate him, sat- he's smart. Saturday game at 8 o'clock. And then on the flip side for Buffalo – they have now a home game because they clinched uh, the second seed with this win. Mm-hmm. They're going to be hosting Pittsburgh. I think that's a very winnable game for them. Oh, easily. It Well, it should be. Let me put it this way. I think the one thing that Josh needs to do is ball control like he did. Mm-hmm. They have to be smart about their offensive decisions. I think Stefan Diggs has a breakout game, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Yeah, I know, I know the be. the point spread right now is nine and a half, and I don't I don't feel good about that one. No, um, I think it's going to be a difference of five. Probably if I have to make my own official guess, but I think the, I, I do like the Bills in this, and that's when things get interesting the following week. I mean, I just got to say one thing about Bills fans, and not you, yeah. but other Bills fans, because we know a few of them. Oh sure, no, I I, I don't I don't consider I am a member of Bills Mafia, but I'm not a delusional member. Right, of Bills Mafia. and and to the delusional ones like. Definitely be happy you won the division and definitely be excited about that. And I want to just say I'm not saying this as like a bitter Patriots fan. I'm saying this as an NFL fan. Like, congratulations, you did get the division, but you fell ass backwards into the division. 
you know, I, I want to know. I did. I, I yourself, uh, you, Ken M, and Rich did all pick the Buffalo Bills to win this division back in August. Mm-hmm. We all figured you would win this division, but no, you stumbled ass backwards into this division at the literal 11th hour. And I say 11th hour because you were the last game to go on for the week. Mm-hmm. So nothing was guaranteed. There was no other scenario where it was, oh, yeah, no, you've got the division. You just need to play the game. No, like you had to win this game to win the division. So kudos to you. But to sit there and go, oh, we're the beasts in the Easts. Really? You want to sit there and crown yourselves as, oh, we're the best in the East? Okay, technically, yes, by the fact that you have the division, yes. And and congratulations, you've won the division four years in a row. That's not easy to do in the NFL these days. I realize the Patriots did it for however many years they did it, but you look at the other divisions and other teams not named the – I mean, Christ, look at the NFC East. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been a repeat division winner in like 20-some-odd years. It's it's an absurd stat, you know, but – To win the division four years in a row, kudos to you. To win the division this year, hey, kudos. But remember, you fell ass backwards into this division at the 11th hour when you were sitting there on the ropes, you fired your offensive coordinator, and you got on a hot streak. Not every hot streak stays consistent throughout the duration of the season. At some point, you're going to come back down to earth, and that's when you find out if you're legit or if it was just luck. Well, I think the pro- the thing about this is making the the change at offense was a puzzling one at the time. I'm oh, going yeah. to admit because oh, yeah. the problem this season with the Bills <laughs> and listen, I'm the only, I think I'm the only Bills fan to say this has been McDermott. Yeah, because you've Mc- said it since day one. Yeah, because McDermott not hiring a defensive coordinator for the season when Leslie Frazier decided to take the sabbatical has been the most crushing point to this team. Yeah. Because the offense had been fine yeah. until Josh started getting too reckless with the ball. That became the problem. And you know what? Kudos to our new OC because you know what he's, he's done? He's forced him to, to call running plays. That's been the biggest change that they've done. Yeah. On the flip side, though, the defense has been playing better because you know why? They're not as pressured to win games as right, they were. Right. Because when Josh was acting reckless, because Josh bought into his own hype. Turned yeah, the ball over. I said it. Yeah. He turned the ball over. He got sloppy. And that's why he's that way I've been saying the Brett Favre comparison for years now. Yeah. So I'm I'm funny. It's funny the national media is picking up on it. So whoever's handing it off to him, hey, just give us some credit next time in a center. Just mention Parley and I'll, I won't say a word about it. But that's the whole point. I said the season has revolved around McDermott and the calls that he's made. Yeah. So now it looks like they have a, somewhat of a balance going in. The Pittsburgh game is going to be the one where Josh has to keep his emotions in check. Yep. And McDermott has to – sorry, McDermott gets beat by Mason Rudolph. Oh. This team should not even be on the field. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just putting it out right now. The silence on social media from Bills fans will be deafening. Oh, it has to be. If any Bills fan is talking reckless after that. Because, I like like I said, I'm fine. Like, hey, congratulations. You won the division. Definitely mm-hmm. celebrate that. But to sit there and go, beasts in the east, we're the best. Like, calm down. Pump the brakes. No, I just like calling out the receipts, though. No, that's yeah. that's fair. Yeah, like I say. I I'm I, just... I did it when everybody picked the, the Chargers to beat the Patriots, you know, in like 2017, 2018, mm-hmm. whatever it was. And the Patriots went and hand, got handed their asses to them. Yeah. I did the same thing. Yeah, but, I mean, for this situation, the Bills need to back up that talk, and that's going to be something they have not done all this time. Yeah. So can they do it in the playoffs? 
Well, we're going to find out on a short week. Yeah, we will, because uh, the NFL playoffs start this Saturday, January 13th, uh, and the schedule is as follows. The Cleveland Browns will be playing the Houston Texans in Houston. That's at 4.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Then you've got the Miami Dolphins playing the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. That'll be 8 p.m. again on Peacock. Uh, For the Sunday games, you've got the Pittsburgh Steelers playing the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo at 1 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Then you've got the Green Bay Packers playing the Dallas Cowboys boys in dallas that'll be at 4 30 p.m eastern on fox then you've got the los angeles rams playing the detroit lions eight o'clock eastern that'll be on nbc and then monday january 15th you've got the philadelphia eagles playing the tampa bay buccaneers in tampa bay that'll be at 8 15 p.m on espn abc and espn plus a lot of exciting games this week uh obviously the season surprising in certain degrees yeah I mean, I know we have our picks that we had from the I do preseason uh, game. Yeah, so from from the preseason, uh, I pulled up the uh, spreadsheet that we uh, that I made when we were doing the uh, NFL preview shows. Uh, so for the AFC East, hey, pat on the back, we all got that right mm-hmm. again, eleventh hour. But hey, you know, Buffalo Bills. Uh, for the AFC South, we all picked the Jacksonville Jaguars. So whoops, never again. Uh, for the AFC North, uh, we all picked the Cincinnati Bengals, which we've you know, if if Joe Burrow would have been there the full season, it might have happened. A lot of questions marks there if he yeah. was a, if he had a healthy year yep uh, and then for the AFC West, we all picked the Kansas City Chiefs, so hey, kudos to us. Uh, for the NFC East, we all chose the Philadelphia Eagles, which, eh, you know. I mean, who saw them doing a choke job? We all forgot the, we have all forgot the old adage, you know, the NFC East hasn't been won by the same team two years in a row in like 20 years. Uh, for the NFC South, well, we all got it wrong. Uh, Ken picked the New Orleans Saints. Rich and myself both picked the Carolina Panthers. Uh, for the NFC North, Rich and Ken got that right. They chose the D- Detroit Lions. Uh, I chose the Minnesota Vikings got that wrong uh and for the nfc west we all got that right with the san francisco 49ers uh and for the playoffs so ken got one two three out of the out of the uh seven right uh he obviously got the jags the jaguars and bengals wrong and then he got two of the three uh wildcard teams wrong he chose the jets and patriots which obviously didn't make it but he, but he did choose the pittsburgh steelers uh for myself i got also got three of the seven right picking the bills chiefs and steelers i did get much like ken the jaguars bengals pa- uh, patriots and jets wrong for rich he, he did better than us uh for the afc he got four of the seven right picking the bills chiefs steelers and ravens uh he did get the jaguars bengals and jets wrong uh so, and then for the NFC, uh, Ken, you got four of the seven right, picking the Eagles, Lions, Niners, and Cowboys. So, I mean, you got the Eagles and Cowboys mixed up, but you st- they're still in it. Still in it. Uh, and you got the Saints, Seahawks, and Vikings wrong. Uh, for myself, I got four of the seven right, picking the Eagles, Niners, Cowboys, and Lions. I got the Panthers, Vikings, and Seahawks wrong. Rich did just as well, four of seven, going with the Eagles, Lions, Niners, Cowboys right, and the Panthers, Vikings, Seahawks uh, wrong. All of our Super Bowl winners are still intact. Ken, yours and my AFC champions are unfortunately not involved because you chose the Jets to make the AFC championship. Uh, I chose the Cincinnati Bengals. They are obviously not in the playoffs. Rich is still in it, though. Uh, He chose the Chiefs. Uh, And for the NFC, we're we're all still in that one, uh, the NFC champ, uh, because Ken, you and myself picked the 49ers. Rich picked the Eagles. Uh, So in terms of things, I'd say if we're we're doing brackets, you know, March Madness, uh, Rich is doing the best out of the three of us. Yeah, so we'll have to wait to see how these playoffs go. A uh, lot of great football to be had. You know, like I say, I still think San Francisco is the team to beat. Absolutely. And out of the AFC, I mean, at this stage, 
You would have to say Baltimore. You, I, you would think so. Which again would feed into that whole conspiracy with the NFL Super Bowl logo and the colors the last three years. Mm-hmm. But you also have to watch out for Cleveland. Uh huh. Cleveland's not supposed to be here. Uh, listen, I, I think it's going to be Baltimore and San Francisco. Who do I want? Cleveland and Detroit. Oh, I want the Bills in Detroit. <laughs> if I if I have to, I, I want Cleveland and Detroit. I want a low scoring game, and I want it to go near the end of overtime. I want to cause as much chaos as possible. Oh, there's so many scenarios that can get played out. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag hashtag odpagepod. The NFL regular season is done. Wild card weekend is about to kick off. How is your team doing? And who's your predictions to win the big game in only a couple short weeks? We're already getting to the Super Bowl talk. About a month away. It's crazy to think about. So definitely hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics Mark from Vale Mai is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metalcore Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metalcore Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern or find it anywhere you find podcasts after it debuts on the radio station. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the <laughs> ODPH podcast, and there's a lot going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Boy, is there ever. They're kicking off their Disney Plus streaming shows mm-hmm. with one that definitely has a lot of fans talking as we're heading into premiere night, and that is Echo. Yes. Coming out of the Hawkeye show. The long stand, or the I should say long standing, because she debuted in 1998. Wow, really? In the comics, okay. yep. Okay. So the, I would say the long standing Daredevil figure is now making the break into her own show. Uh-huh. Alkaya Cox is playing the title character, Maya Lopez, and according to the IMDb preface, uh, quote, Maya Lopez must face her past, reconnect with her Native American roots, and embrace the meaning of family and community if she ever hopes to move forward. End quote. Okay. So obviously, this show has a lot of moving parts involved with it. We do know Vincent D'Onofrio is reprising the role of Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin, in this. Okay. We have seen screenshots of one Charlie Cox, a.k.a. Matt Murdock, Daredevil, in this as well. Yup. And for being five episodes, there's a lot of question marks pertaining to the series. Yeah. Now, we had seen the Echo in Hawkeye. Yep. When that came out, made a very big splash in a short amount of time. Yep. The last thing we knew is she came to the truth about what happened with her father and decided to go shoot Kingpin in uh-huh, the face. Uh-huh. So I would say it's a spoiler, but it's been out for a while. It's, it's been out for at least over a year now. Yes. So that being said, Pat, going into the series, what is your expectations for this? What is the vibe that you're kind of getting into? It? Like, what would you recommend this to a viewer about? I'm I'm recommending this if you were obviously a fan of the Netflix show, uh, mm-hmm. Marvel shows. You know, you, you didn't really dabble into the mainline MCU stuff all that much because yeah. right now I don't think it's going to play too much into the overall story of the MCU. So I wouldn't expect anything from like, you know, a Captain America to show up or like a Spider-Man or like anything like that. But like down the road, I feel like this might have some implications. Maybe we'll see. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this just because we're finally going to get a return to full fledged daredevil and, and such mm-hmm. and Kingpin, because we haven't seen those characters in quite some time, you know? And so to see them back in the role, obviously, you know, Wilson Fisk showed up in, in the Hawkeye for a brief moment, you know, and then obviously you had uh, 
or, or did he show up in Hawkeye? I don't know. He, I feel like he showed up at some yeah, point. Yeah, Vincent, yeah, they made the crossover in Hawkeye. Just Charlie Cox showed up in Daredevil as, uh, in She-Hulk. And he showed up in She-Hulk, and then he also made the one-scene appearance in Spider-Man, uh, what was it, Spider-Man 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so we haven't gotten necessarily the full tilt re-exposure to the characters, you know, like we might have wanted, like myself. But to get the characters back, it's going to be awesome. And, it, and like I said, if you want to, ch- if, if you're looking to check this out, you don't really need to know much going into it, because I feel like you know, what they did with Hawkeye wasn't necessarily the full intro. It was just the kind of like soft, uh, the soft uh, pilot, mm-hmm. if, if you will. It's the, hey, we're introducing the character here, but it's going to get their own show, you know, down the road. And obviously it did because here we are. Well, I think the the main point that I'm so excited about this show is this is, in my opinion, the continuation of the Netflix Defenders universe. Now, For right now, yeah. Now into the Disney Plus area. Until, because- until we start seeing the episodes and they start like actually divulging information yet to be seen. Mm -hmm. But you have to think about the impact that the street level superheroes made. Right. And especially at the time when the MCU is more focused on the Avengers uh, family, which is great. And the films. Yeah. The films. That's what I say. You saw the Avengers focus there. Yeah. But on the Netflix shows, it was all street level. Yeah. It was Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Punisher. Yeah. And then they did the street level defenders too, which some were more hit than others. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. Daredevil set that benchmark so high that anything coming out of that is what fans are gravitating towards most, in my yeah. opinion. Because, oh, I agree. Because the show had always just been consistently on point. Yeah. So now to see this character, which has been so synonymous with Daredevil, come into the MCU and really make a, a point in the Hawkeye series and almost be the show stealer of that. Yeah, I would agree. To now picking up for five episodes, which is not a lot to go off of. So no. it's going to be kind of a question of what they want to do as far as storyline-wise. Right. Because it's still very up in the air. Well, and I wonder if, you know, how big a presence is Daredevil going to have in this? You know, obviously, Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin is going to have a major focus in this, considering mm-hmm. uh, Kingpin is... Uh, Maya Lopez's father. Mm-hmm. I can't help but wonder if this is going to be a possible lead into the Daredevil show they're doing. I have to imagine it has to be. You know that that this is almost like what they did with the Kingdom Hearts game, where like they did that Kingdom Hearts zero point two whatever that was like going to be at the start of Kingdom Hearts three, but they decided to cut it out and make it its own thing. Obviously not a you know an equal comparison but like a similar thing of like we were going to do this thing we were thinking about doing this with Daredevil but hey this would work on its own. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, I think like I say from when I read the IMDb description there. Yeah. You know, like I say they they're being very It's very vague. vague and I know that that's for a reason. Yeah. Because they're not even alluding to anything with the kingpin. Well, and we know that the review embargo hasn't dropped yet, which under normal circumstances would be cause for concern. Anytime you get to like the day a project comes out, film, movie, TV, and the review embargo hasn't dropped yet, usually nine times out of ten, that's a cause for concern. But in this instance, I think it makes sense because all of the episodes are dropping at once. Some did drop though. Oh, okay. Maybe it was like a maybe it, it was, was like a social late night. Maybe though. it was like a social media embargo is up, but not like the full review embargo. You could say that because I know our good friend Sean from Metalcore Nerds, right? Um, did one that's he's already posted about it and, and seen okay. rave reviews. Okay. And I think that's the one thing too. They really want to keep it tight lipped because it's spoiler free, right? But still, the majority of people that have that I've caught online talking about this, and like I say, it's only been a few hours since this was uplifted, right? 
everybody's had some really good things to say about it and saying just a lot of the same themes, right. which is the Netflix show, the MA feel, which is something the MCU needs. And there's a space for it. Oh, there absolutely is. Because not everything can be geared towards the pop culture audience, mm-hmm. much like not everything in the Marvel Comics universe is geared towards pop culture. Right. Too. I mean, and, li- and listen, I know that there are going to be parents whose kids are looking at them. To, oh, I want to watch it. It's the new Marvel show. It's the new Marvel show. It's going to be TVMA. Watch it before you show your kids. And if you want to make sure your kids don't get a hold of it and watch it without you having previewed it, make sure it's it's cool for them to watch. You know, because I remember back in the day when Saving Private Ryan came out, everyone at school went and saw Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go see Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. And my parents were like, hey, we got to go watch and see. We got to go watch and make sure this is okay for you as a young child to go watch and see before we let you go see this. Mm-hmm. And and looking back, because I saw it years later, they did obviously didn't let me go see it. And then I was really bummed about it, but I got over it quickly. But like years later, I finally saw the movie. And based off the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan alone, I'm like, no, yeah, I understand why they didn't let me see this as a kid. But to the parents who have kids that might want to see this, watch it before you let your kids see it. And so you make sure they don't like sneakily watch it before you give them the, okay. Uh, there are parental rating settings on your Disney plus for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they need to do for this. Cause obviously I think they want to set a tone for the street level here. Yeah. And especially with daredevil having such a following and such, you know, a spotlight on it for the amazing work that was done with and, and, a, and a big fandom. Yeah. That's what I say. Like you, you don't have a, a lot of room for error, which is kind of weird to say. No, you don't. But it's true though, because you think about Marvel's most consistent comic over the past few years has been the daredevil series. Yeah. No matter who's been a part of it. Yeah. And if you've gone through the creative teams that have left their marks there, like it just, everybody has their own story. They tell. Right. So then you have the hype from the comic universe coming in with the pop culture audience that knows it from Netflix. And that's what yeah. I say. When you have this exposure with Echo, mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot of people tuning in to check this out. Obviously, for her being the first Native American superhero. Yeah, I believe on the so. And M- the MCU. On, 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 on live action. Yes. And uh, also the first deaf Yes. Uh, character in the MCU. Yes. That we have in this situation as well, too. So there's a lot of people that are going to be tuning in to see it. And obviously with the praise that came out of the Hawkeye run. Yeah. That now is, is going to have a ton of eyes on it. I think this is just going to be nothing but a big win. Going oh, it's going to be awesome. Well, I think that they just they have to do the smart move of keeping it grounded keeping it very street level, which I think they're going to from what we've seen from the trailers. To me, this isn't going to be like the Netflix shows where they mention, what what did they call it? The incident Mm -hmm. or whatever, like the attack on New York where they like to drop the incident every other fucking scene. Yeah. I don't see them doing this. No, they're not. You're not going to hear too much about anything. Watch watch them actually mention the celestial that came out of the earth, uh, like the South Pole or whatever the fuck it was in Eternals. Like the one everyone's been wondering, have they mentioned it? Will they mention it? Are they just ignoring it? Watch this be the one time where they actually mention it. Yeah, no, I agree that'd, with that'd you. be hysterical. It's going to be an interesting play about how they want to do this. Right. And I think that this is one that is causing so much excitement for it. And like I said, I touched upon, you know, the first deaf lead character in the MCU, yeah. the first native American lead actress in the MCU. Yeah. Like I say, you you have so many elements to make echo great. Right. And they're doing such a great job with Akaya Cox playing the role that, you know, when you start going into the abilities of what she echo can do, which is more or less 
on the same vein as Taskmaster to a degree, right? But a little differently, just about the the you know picking up on reflexes and being able to adapt them. It's a very cool scenario that's going to play out just with five episodes. I'm just wondering how much they're going to be able to get in. And it's going to be interesting to see just because we're going to go into a bit of a dry spell for what we know right now for Marvel. And I'm talking proper, you know, Disney Marvel. I'm not talking Sony bullshit or any of that nonsense because God help us. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the next thing that comes out for the actual MCU is Deadpool, which doesn't come out until it's supposed to come out in July of this year. We'll see if that actually sticks. But then you've also got for the TV shows, um, you've got, what is it? You've got uh, X-Men 97 supposed to come out sometime this year, which we just don't have a date for that. You've got Agatha Coven of Chaos, which is supposed to come out sometime this year. Uh, and then you've got some other stuff uh, on the prospect, but like we haven't heard anything firm. So of firm stuff we know, it's Deadpool, and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the fans are really going to gravitate towards this, and especially if you've ever read Echo's early runs <coughs> in the comic. Right. Uh, like I say, the Daredevil story where she originated from parts of a whole right. is a great series. I know we're going to be talking about a nerd initiatives turn a page this week. Right. And where you go from her there with her in the MCU right. is an interesting path. I don't even want to go into spoilers about that. Right. But if you know anything about the character, her journey in the M- the comics universe is very vast. I know if you have the Marvel Unlimited app, you mm-hmm. can search the character and you can find practically every issue the character has been in. Yeah. But I know they are featuring on the homepage of the Marvel Unlimited app, starting points, Echo must reads. And if you click it, start here, they give you Daredevil and Echo team up. Issue number one uh, from 2023 was on June 14th, 2023. They also give you the Marvel Voices Infinity comic Mm -hmm. with Echo, which is issue number 64 from August 16th of uh, last year. They give who is Daredevil Infinity comic issued from 2022 from October 6th, 6th of 2022. And they give who is Kingpin Infinity comic from 2024. Yeah. So definitely some stuff if you're thinking about reading some comics and maybe getting a feel for what the show might be about. There are some ones for you. Yeah, no, I but I definitely, like I say, I recommend the one from 1998, right. the Marvel Knights one. Right. Because that that whole run is a vastly underrated one, in my opinion, sure. for Daredevil comics. Because, like I say, right now, in this day and age, Marvel's Daredevil has been like their benchmark. It's been in, in, almost like neck and neck with DC's Nightwing. Yes, about okay. like you you go to it. The best creative teams are on it. They they carve their own path and they really leave a lasting impression. Right, and especially with what David Mack and Joe Casada did during this time too. It, like I say, it's a great story about like you know how how they really elevated Daredevil at that time, and Echo played such a big part. And especially with the connection with the Kingpin, as you see how the story plays out. And then now where she goes from here, I wonder if they're going to follow the same suit as the comics. But I, but we'll talk about that next week, though, right? because I don't want to spoil too much. Because I just say the things I'm looking forward to with this, street-level superheroes are back. Yes. Kingpin is back. And I'm just looking for that gritty crime drama that... Anytime you talk to the Kingpin, yeah. that's what you get. I mean, we've seen the Kingpin in a number of instances, and not once have we seen a real crime syndicate yes. set up. I would love to see some sort of crime syndicate, crime families, you know, whatever else. If we could get like a hammerhead to show up or something like that, I'm all for it. If they could slowly start putting together the pieces for gang war, yo, I would be all in about that. Let's go. And I think that you, you can obviously do that with the talented actors that you have involved with this show. 
you're definitely going to make some noise, and I think this is going to be a big win for fans, so I'm excited to see it. And definitely we'll be recapping it on next week's show. So, Pat, that being said, final thoughts on Echo Preview? Super excited for it. I'm excited, Do you know, that it's dropping all at once. I'm excited it's not dropping at 3 a.m. fucking Eastern like Netflix used to do. Mm-hmm. God, that was obnoxious. Uh, but, no, it's excited to check it out. Excited to get Kingpin back, Daredevil back, and see where, see where we go. Wouldn't be surprised if maybe there's, like, a surprise cameo from one of the other Netflix uh, heroes. Well, that's one thing you got to watch for is at the end of the final episode when it drops because it is debuting on January 9th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Disney+. Plus. You're definitely going to have to wait around for bonus credit. And I, oh, yeah. And I have a full feeling we're going to see – somebody get mentioned probably but who i don't know that's what we throw up for debate folks so definitely hit us with your thoughts on echo <coughs> from marvel studios hitting disney plus are you excited for it or are you not what are you expecting from the show and let's talk about it and then after the episodes drop remember we got a little 72 hour social media embargo but we're more than happy to answer some dms about that as well and expect a full recap on next week's odph so that being said we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back hey this is scott snyder and you better Listen to the ODPH podcast or I'm coming for you and Batman is coming for you. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, just one sports thing, which is obviously the local minute. Uh, looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League, uh, the Binghamton Black Bears still sitting in first place of the Empire Division. Uh, 17 wins, two losses, five losses in overtime. Uh, and then you've got uh, no wins in overtime, but they do have a win in shootout. Hmm. Uh, they're first place with 58 points. Motor City in second place with fifty or 43 uh, Danbury in third place with 39, Watertown in fourth with 25, and fifth place is Elmira with 19. And kick, correct myself in case I spoke wrong, Binghamton's in first with 58. Uh, looking at their schedule from this past week, they had just the one game. It was a home game on Saturday, January 6th, won by the final score of... Eight to one. Jeez. Uh, They're on the road this weekend. Uh, got two games Friday, January 12th, 7 30 p.m. Eastern. They are playing the Danbury Hat Tricks. Then they're playing Danbury again on Saturday, January 13th, 7 o'clock Eastern. That is on the road. They're back home, though, Friday, January 19th, 7 o'clock Eastern against who? Danbury. Uh, for more tickets, information, all that good stuff, go to BinghamtonBlackBears.com. And we're going to talk a little bit of entertainment news because we did have some breaking news today as we record. Mm-hmm. Some exciting breaking news, I would say. Uh, reading from the article on StarWars.com, so you get, don't get more official than that, folks. Yes. Uh, says, quote, the Mandalorian and Grogu are embarking on a new adventure to movie theaters. Directed by John Favreau and produced by Favreau, Kathleen Kennedy, and... Dave Filoni, the the Mandalorian and Grogu will go into production in 2024. Quote, I have loved telling stories set in in the rich world that George Lucas created, said Favreau. The prospect of bringing the Mandalorian and his apprentice, Grogu, to the big screen is extremely exciting. Close quote. Uh, Quote, John Favreau and Dave Filoni have ushered into Star Wars two new beloved characters. And this new story is a perfect fit for the big screen, added Kathleen Kennedy, president of Lucasfilm. The Mandalorian and Grogu will lead Lucasfilm's ongoing feature development slate, including films helmed by uh, Charmin Obaid Chinoy, James Mangold, and Dave Filoni, who is currently developing Ahsoka Season 2 among those in the works. This is the way, close quote. Snuck in two announcements in this press release. I was going to say, how excited are you for this? Well, I'm very excited. One, it's been rumored for a while The Mandalorian was going to get a final season movie, and, you know, 
uh, release, which I know some folks would say, oh, well, you know, why fix what ain't broke? You know, stick TV. And, and I, that's that's not wrong. But I feel like with where they're building, which for all intents and purposes seems to be they're doing Heir to the Empire, which is a story that you cannot do for small screen in terms of breadth and scope and just everything that entails with that. that that's meant for big screen. It's going to be box office. And it don't matter if Dave or uh, John Favreau are writing. It's going to be amazing either way. It's going to be awesome to see. It, it, it's it's a story and a scenes that are too big for the small screen. Yeah, no, this is going to be nothing but big wins. Uh, long rumored, but finally get confirmation. Yeah. And then Ahsoka 2 Season 2, like I said. I mean, that's not a surprise. Given how the first season ended, we figured. Right, but, you know, with the movie, we thought everything might be coming to an yeah. end there. So yeah. it is exciting to hear that we still have more Ahsoka coming. Yeah, but sneaking it in at the end of the press release, that's hilarious. Brilliant. Yep. And then let's get into the comic picks this week because there's a lot going on there. Yeah, there is. So I got a couple of things. Uh, the first of which is from DC. You've got Action Comics issue number 1061 from Jason Aaron. Uh, this one reads The Wizard Bizarro. Jason Aaron writes Superman for the very first time, uh, teaming up with all star artist John Timms to present a startling new vision of the Man of Steel's strangest foe. When Superman's doppelganger discovers a dark secret about himself, it unleashes the most dangerous version of Bizarro the world has ever seen. Hmm. Ooh, that sounds real interesting. Definitely going to have to give that a read. And then from the folks over at Marvel, got two of them. Uh, first of which is Wolverine issue number 41 from Benjamin Percy. Yes. Sabretooth War part one. Uh, this one reads, Sabretooth War begins here. The most violent Wolverine story ever told. Boy, that's saying something. It is. Uh, get ready for the showdown to end all showdowns. Wolverine versus Sabretooth. It's been years since these heavy hitters have crossed paths in the Marvel Universe. But as Krakoa falls, so rises Sabretooth. And he's out for revenge. They threw Victor Creed in the pit, but he's free and wielding an army of Sabretooths. Uh, will want prove once and for all uh, why he is Logan's ultimate nemesis. Co-written by literary powerhouses Benjamin Percy and Victor Laval, uh, and drawn by art- artistic dynamos Corey Smith and Jeff Shaw. Don't miss the inaugural issue of this multi-shipping saga leading up to the landmark issue number 50. That's going to be nuts. Ben Piercy has done no wrong on his run with Wolverine, and the fact that, that they're touting this is going to be the bloodiest thing ever. That's saying something. That's saying a lot. Uh huh. Uh, and lastly, certainly not leastly, Star Wars issue number forty-two from who? Charles Soule. Charles Soule. Uh, this one is a part of the Sith and the Skywalker storyline they got going. It says Sith Rising. Luke Skywalker knows his destiny is leading him toward a confrontation with Darth Vader. Vader is a Dark Lord of the Sith, and Luke is barely even a Jedi. To have any chance at survival, Luke must find a way to train himself in the battle techniques he will soon face. He must find. Another Seth. Hmm. Always two, there are no more, no less. My ass. Charles Soule doing Star Wars. You know this is going to be a must pick up. Absolutely. And for me this week, stacked lineup. Uh, I feel like I say that all the time, but that's how great comics are. Coming out from DC Comics, one of my favorite stories uh, out right now. Batman and Robin number five. Ooh, okay. So this is one Joshua Williamson has been penning. Uh, Nikolai Jimenez-a which I, I apologize if I messed the name up, is stepping in for art duties from Simone DiMio uh, for this issue. And this has been a crazy story because obviously there's a lot going on with Man Bat, which is, I mean, this is not really a spoiler. Right. But he was revealed to be involved with the first kind of story arc here. Obviously, there's more going on with this case and where their investigation is now leading them. 
Uh, you're not going to be ready for the last page. I'm just going to say that right now because the issue is out today as we record. Hey. So I can speak a little bit about it, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you haven't picked up this story, it's a great one. And it's a it's a nice change of pace, in my opinion, from what you see with the other Bat books right now because there's a lot of the father-son dynamic going on with Bruce and Damien here. But that last page is definitely going to get some fans talking. So you definitely want to keep an eye out for that. Comixology Originals, Nice Jewish Boys, number three. So this has been the crime story that's been going on by Neil Klein and John Brolia. Definitely one that's got a lot of emotion behind it. It, The story is getting deeper and deeper about what is going on with Jake Levin. And just, you know, there is no easy way out for him. As we see, get a little more backstory about what's going on with uh, a noteworthy character of this series. But it's definitely one that you're... If you've been checking the series out, and I think it has because... Or I I think you should because it's definitely one that's a very heavy crime-oriented one. And if you like crime stories, this is a great one because it really ties in with a lot of emotion. This is a a solid pickup this week. Uh, Over from Marvel to... I mean, I was going to say Wolverine War is definitely at the top of my list. And also Ultimate Spider-Man is now coming back. So this is going to be the one. Jonathan, oh, yeah. Jonathan Hickman, Marco Cicchetto. This is one, fans. I mean, I, I have circled on my poll list, so I definitely am excited to go check this out. Also, Rise of the Powers of Ten. So obviously this is a companion piece. Like we said, Fall of the House of X. The end of the Krakoan era is definitely taking place. So Marvel's got a big week going on. Image Comics, Transform, it's Skybound Entertainment, Transformers number four. What can you say? It's Daniel Warren Johnson doing Daniel Warren Johnson things. Enough said. Can't wait to check this one out. Also, returning. This has been a while since we've seen this. Deep Cuts, number four. So this is a story by Kyle Higgins and Joe Clark about the history of jazz in different decades. So now we're in the 1950s, and it's New York City. So very interested to go check this out. If you haven't checked it out, they're all self-contained stories through different decades. Okay. And it's, re- it's a cool story if you want to check out something different from the, your normal uh, superhero stuff. Nice. Because it's just all about the history of jazz and through certain characters' eyes. Also, Midlife, How to Be a Hero at 50, uh, Brian Busolato, Stefan Simone. Uh, one of my favorite series out right now. Definitely, I can't wait to go check that out. If you haven't seen it, it's not your average superhero story, and that's perfectly fine to say. Okay. And then last but not least, from Dark Horse Comics, this is one that definitely has caught my attention, and I, I've been very, very... I was blown away by the first issue. Can't wait to check out the second one. Masterpiece number two. Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malavith. We okay. talked about Daredevil earlier. Their run. Yeah. Stuff a legend. This is picking up after a very, very solid first issue. Can't wait to see where the story of Emma and the the family business goes from here. Right. And as we say, if you're looking for more comic recommendations, odphpodcast.com, Parlay Points is always dropping on Wednesdays, and nerdinitiative.com starting Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, every half hour on the half hour until we run out from the bullpen. Got a lot of solid picks this week. And definitely make sure you're going out and supporting your favorite LCS wherever you are at because it does mean a lot to go support small business. So that being said, we'll keep it very short and very sweet this week. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's it for this edition. So for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast. We'll see you next time. Hits. 
time Swiping left and swiping right On people you could know Cause anyone who's worth a damn Be worth way more than a picture could ever show You can find the right light Find the right angle And never find your soul And it can feel like a losing battle And this plot is full of holes This modern way of finding love Just makes me feel so alone And I can't be the only one Sick of staring at my phone So look up Talk to me Everyone has just one true love All I know is you're across this table And you're all I'm thinking of So look up, talk to me A better way to spend our energy Just look up, talk to me Swiping left and swiping right on people you could know